Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told them about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all of the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish, just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of God for us this morning. I want you to think of two tragedies recently where people have lost lives. That wasn't hard, right? Could you think of two? I mean, if you haven't been watching the news, there was cyclones over in Mozambique. And Venezuela is having all kinds of political upheaval and people are being killed on the streets. There's all kinds of natural disasters even here in the U.S. as we have had storms and tornadoes and you name it. It seems like every time we look around, there are tragedies happening all over the world. In ancient times, when these things happened, people immediately assumed that it was divine judgment. They immediately went straight to, okay, God must be punishing somebody for something that they did. It must be some punishment because why else would this happen they immediately thought it was a divine action, and they immediately began to judge the people upon whom the calamity had fallen. Think about how sad that is, judging the victims of a natural disaster and thinking that they're guilty for bringing it upon themselves somehow. Well, Jesus did not agree with this point of view. He did recognize that sin sometimes brought on consequences, but he did not seem to agree that everything that happens to us was the result of our own sinfulness. Think about the story of when he met a blind man and the disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, what? Neither. He was born this way so that God could be glorified, and then he went on to heal the, the man. You see, a lot of times when bad things happen to good people, we struggle with making sense of it. 
we can't understand why bad things could happen. And we enter the proverbial why. You know, when my kids were little, that was the most annoying question in the world. Because no matter what you said, there was always a why after whatever you said. Why? Well, because this happened. But why? Because that happened. Why? And it, it had no end. It was one of those things that kept going. And so the proverbial why is one of the questions that we ask whenever things happen that we can't explain. It's that why that finds no reasonable answer and sometimes doesn't seem to have logical response. We sometimes forget of the fallen nature of the world in which we live in. The fact that we are free to do as we please sometimes means that people do terrible things. And the fact that this nature is not the way it was intended to be because of the fall means that there are natural disasters all the time. You know, I don't think they had a single tornado in the Garden of Eden. No earthquakes, no tsunamis. You see, this is not the way things were intended to be, but because we live in a fallen world, because we live in a world where we have been given free will to choose to do what we please, we have things happen that we can't reconcile with a loving and powerful God who is over all things. Jesus had been talking to the people about being able to understand the times they were living in. He had talked to them about being able to see the signs of the times. He talked to them about the fact that, hey, they could tell the weather by looking outside, but they couldn't even realize that the kingdom of God was right at hand. That something so important was here. And he had been trying to explain to them that they needed to pay attention. And then one of them came to him and said, well, let's see how much you know about the times and about what's going on. Did you hear about the Galileans that Pilate massacred? Did you hear about their deaths? Tell us. Were they terrible sinners? Is that why this happened to them? Did their parents sin? I mean, they were trying to get to the why of why this terrible thing happened. They wanted to get to the why these people had lost their lives. And you know, Jesus sometimes likes to do this. He answers a question with another question. And you hate it when people do that to you. You're trying to get to an answer, and they're just giving you another question. He turns to them, and he says, do, do you really think that because these Galileans suffered in the way they did, that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Is that really what you believe? And you know, sometimes when, when, when we hear a question like that, the person asking the question doesn't want to give you a chance to get it wrong, so they answer it for you. And Jesus didn't give him a chance to answer. He immediately went, no, no. I tell you that unless you repent, you will perish just like they did. 
And then he goes on to tell them about another terrible story. And here's another story. And we don't have a lot of details on these stories because these stories only appear in the Gospel of Luke. They're not in any other outside writings. Apparently, there was a construction accident. OSHA would have had a field day. 18 people died when the Tower of Siloam fell. 18 people. And Jesus asked them, you've heard about the, the 18 in Siloam? Tell me, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? Do you really believe that this happened to them because they were worse sinners than the others? And again, he didn't give them a chance to answer. He said, no. I tell you, unless you repent, you will perish just as they did. We like to categorize people by sin and talk about worse sinners and little sinners and medium sinners and lower sinners. And Jesus, in a way, was trying to debunk the notion of worse sinners. He was saying, when you sin, you sin. You do wrong before God. There is not bigger sin and smaller sin. It's all sin. Anything that separates you from God is sin. And when bad things happen to someone, you must not assume that for some reason they're worse sinners than others and that somehow they deserve this punishment. Jesus clearly doesn't think so. But he doesn't get into the specifics of why. You know, sometimes I wish he would have told us the why. Explain the why because we all want to know the whys of things. I think that when we all get to heaven, we're going to have our list of questions, don't we? You got them. I got them. The why of this, the why of that, trying to understand this life and some of the things that we've been through. And we want to know the whys, but he doesn't answer the why. Jesus moves on from that to point to the fact that this life is fleeting and that basically you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so you should repent today. In Spanish, we have a, we have a simple phrase that says, No dejes para mañana lo que puedas hacer hoy. Don't leave for tomorrow what you can do today. And Jesus was saying, you know, don't plan to repent on your last day of life because you don't know when that day will be. Don't put it off to come to Jesus until you get older and you have lived, you know, the way you wanted your younger years because you don't know if you're going to get to be old. Come and repent today while there's still time. Come and admit that you need salvation and grace. He says, unless you repent, you will perish just like these folks did. It is as if Jesus was saying, if there's something you must learn from these tragedies, it's not that sin caused them, but that death and mortality is real and it can come in a moment. And therefore, you need to be paying attention to your relationship with God and where you're standing right now, this very moment. So this message is more about not wasting time 
and being able to repent because tomorrow is not guaranteed. But because Jesus knew that they were more visual learners than they needed examples, he goes on to give them the illustration of the parable of the barren fig tree and what to do with it. I mean, what do you do with it? First thing I want to tell you is that the owner of the vineyard is much more patient than you and I. If we had a tree that was not bearing fruit, we probably would have cut it down in year two. We probably wouldn't have even waited till year three. We probably wouldn't have even allowed the gardener to talk us into a fourth year. We would have just cut it down, got a new one. But God works differently. For three years, the owner of this vineyard had come looking for fruit and found none on it. And he kept hoping and waiting that the fruit would come. This persistence is the kind of persistence that only God has with us, where he expects fruitfulness, yet he shows patience and mercy with us. Aging us on, hoping that next year will be the year. When he told the gardener that it was time to cut it down, his words really cut deep. Why? Should I waste the soil? That is tough. Why should I waste the soil? If it's not going to bear fruit, cut it down. The gardener heard the instructions and interceded on behalf of the fig tree said, let's give it one more year. But don't just go away and we just hope that it produces fruit. Don't just go away and we're just going to, you know, cross our fingers and hope next year it's fruitful. Let's do something to help it be fruitful. Let me dig around it. Let me put some fertilizer down. Let me continue to nurture it. And next year, hopefully when you come, it'll be bearing fruit. If not, the gardener says, I'll cut it down. This parable reminds us that God is merciful and patient with us, but there is a limit. There is a time when we're all going to stand before God and, and give our testimony of whether or not we have been fruitful. There is going to come a time when we have to, you know, stand up and, and, and just say whether we did or didn't. And where our fruit is going to be examined. And at that time, the time will be up. That day of judgment is going to be harsh. For those that after year after year of being given a chance, did not bear fruit. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, we'll cut it down. A lot of times when we hear this scripture, we just immediately say, well, I'm bearing fruit, so I'm good. I'm being fruitful, so I'm good. I'm in Christ, so I'm good. But how many years has God come back and checked on you and found the fruit, not fruitful, but scarce? 
How many times has God come by and considered whether you are living your life in such a way that the fruits of the Spirit are actually being displayed for others to see? How many times has he come expecting fruit and found none? Jesus invited us to repentance, but the reality is that repentance brings with it fruitfulness. Because when you repent of your sins and you know that God has forgiven those sins and given you the promise of eternal life, you cannot help but experience joy. You cannot help but experience love and peace and, and faith and all of the fruits of the Spirit. And when you experience those fruits, those fruits become your witness to the world. Have you noticed that you can't walk around and smile at people without them feeling an urge to smile back? Try it one time. Just go out and just smile at everybody you see. And you know what happens? Even the grumpiest of grumps, all of a sudden just, I guess they smiled. I guess I got to smile back. I think what Jesus was saying is you need to be so fruitful that your fruit is producing fruit in others, that you are sharing that peace, that you're sharing that faith, that you're sharing that love in such a way that others begin to want to be in your vineyard. They want to be in the same soil that you're in. They want to have the same gardener, and they want to experience the fruitfulness that you're experiencing. How fruitful are we? When we think of fruit, one of the dangers that we get into is that we want to quantify our fruit. But if you look up fruitfulness in the dictionary, you find that fruitfulness is something that produces something, but the production can be even an experience. Like when you have a productive trip to the grocery store. Or you have a productive trip to the museum. You didn't buy anything at the museum, did you? But was it productive? Yes. You accomplished something. When we talk about fruitfulness for the kingdom of God, we're talking about whether or not our fruit is reaching others. Whether the love, the peace, the faith, and the joy are being seen by those that come in contact with us, and whether or not it is infecting them with the Holy Spirit of God. One of the lessons of this scripture is don't let this happen to you. Don't let God come to check on your fruit and find you bare. Don't make him wait. Find every opportunity to witness, to praise, to share the fruit of joy, peace, love, and faith. Because you don't know if today will be the last day that you will get to do that. Because tomorrow is not guaranteed. What a joy it would be to show up at the Father's house knowing that the last day we lived on this earth was fruitful for his kingdom. May he help us bear much fruit for him. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you because it does challenge us, O oh Lord, to be fruitful, O oh Lord, and to exhibit all the fruits of this spirit. O oh Lord, we ask that you will help, help us become fruitful in our lives. That, O oh Lord, if there's any fertilizing that needs to be done, if there's any trimming and pruning that needs to be done, if there's anything that needs to happen in our lives that we might bear more fruit, that, O oh Lord, it will happen in the name of Jesus. And that, O oh Lord, we will experience that joy, peace, love, and faith in such a way that those around us will want to know you and want to follow you in their own lives. We ask you, O Lord, to help us to be fruitful in every area and in every aspect of our lives, with our families, with our children, in our communities, in our church, in our Sunday school, in our workplace, everywhere we are. May, O Lord, we be fruitful for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The altar is open if we need to come forward and pray and ask God to help us to be fruitful.